Let's go back to Romans chapter 9 and, and um, take a look. Um, we're in verses 4 and 5, and, and we'll uh, hopefully um, finish up verse 4 and maybe even dive a bit into verse 5. Um, because really, if you look at verse 5 and you'll find the word patriarchs, right after that comma, uh, those next words in there are just terribly controversial. Now, I know you don't see it now, uh, or at least maybe you do, but it, maybe you don't see it right now, but you will see it next week. And I have to say, um, I do get rather exercised. My wife um, chided me last Wednesday night about, why, why were you so wild last, I mean, just then? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe, I, maybe it's just I'm wicked. Um, but I think part of it is I get wild over things like that definition of covenant which was absolutely false and wrong, and, and that really does rile me. Well, guys, if that riled me, oh my, um, because this stuff that's contained in the last two-thirds of verse 5, you need to hear that next week, guys. I, 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 I'm not trying to uh, pad the numbers, but you need to hear that stuff next week. All right, but anyway, um, Paul has made the statement in verse 3 that he could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the play. I, I wish, if I could, if it would work, if it would, if it would possibly make a difference, I would, I would have myself be cursed uh, for my Jewish brethren. Now, he recognizes that that won't work. Um, but uh, he says, to aggravate or to exacerbate the, my, my grief and my pain over their condition, he begins to mention their privileges. And uh, you get eight or nine of them here in verses 4 and 5. And, I, and you might recall, I said two weeks ago, that what you really get in verses 4 and 5 is a, is a kind of a, a, a summary via terms, just by the mentioning of the term, you get a summary of Old Testament history. I mean, these are all Old Testament words. The, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So, Paul is mentioning these, these privileges that Israel has, which simply worsens um, the fact that they are in, uh, at this juncture, uh, pretty much as a nation, uh, unbelieving. And so, uh, last week, as some of you will remember, we talked about that word covenants. I isolated it from the rest because there was so much to say. Now, I want to go back and pick up this word, the glory, and then we'll skip the covenants because we're already done, and then keep moving on. So, uh, this is another item. This, this item of the glory is just another remarkable thing about the people of God, that, um, that God saw fit in the course of their history to give them a, a glimpse of his glory. And he does that on numerous occasions, guys. Um, you remember, I hope, that when they left Egypt, um, uh, the, uh, the, the army of Egypt came running after them. And what he did um, to separate Egypt from Israel, to keep Is Egypt from you know, gobbling up Israel, he, he put in between them this luminous cloud. You remember that? And Israel couldn't see them, didn't know where they were, couldn't, couldn't attack them, because he inserted himself... You can find this mentioned in Exodus 14. And this, this, um, this luminous cloud was an indication, an indicator of his presence among them. 
It even got a name later on. Um, it's a term that you'll be familiar with, I think. It, it, it became known as the Shekinah. This, uh, this, this cloud-like, luminous, cloud-like uh, uh, appearance of God in an amorphous shape that uh, uh, signaled the presence of God among Israel. Uh, it's mentioned numerous times. Let me just show you one other. I mean, if, you, if you're interested in this. Um, in Exodus chapter 40, um, you know, they've, they've completed the sanctuary and the priests are setting the whole thing up and they're, they're finished setting it up. And it says uh, in verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's what Paul is alluding to in, in, verse, uh, in chapter 9, verse 4. They had the glory. Um, no other nation had been blessed in this way. In fact, um, uh, no other nation had tasted and experienced this. Uh, and that, of course, just heightens the nature of this tragedy in the mind of Paul. For God dwelt in a peculiar way in the midst of Israel, and yet that in that privilege had not had not been um, uh, taken advantage of to their spiritual benefit. They had the glory that that presence of God, known as the Shekinah glory of God. The, the next thing that he mentions. Um, after the covenants, is the giving of the law. Now, guys, we're going to slow down here just a little bit, but some of your translations don't have the giving of the law. What, what many or some of your translations have is the receiving of the law, um, which, which gives me an opportunity to do something that I'm going to, I'm going to uh, just do rather quickly, but hopefully it's, it's very academic. For some of you, that's really appealing, uh, but uh, others of you, it really bores you to tears. But it, it might explain some things. Guys, um, um, how do we just start here? The word that is translated there, in my translation, it is translated the, uh, giving. Uh, the giving of the law. How many of you have receiving in here? Anybody? There's, yeah, there, oh, gosh, half of you. Um, now, why does one translation have receiving and the other translations have the giving? Because it, it tends to mislead, does it not? I mean, those two things seem to be different. Um, guys, um, um, Paul is good at this. Uh, the word that is translated there is the word nomo, uh, Um, the, the Greek word for, uh, for law is nomos. So you can see what that is. Um, now this thing down here is harder. This is called a hapax legomena. Is everybody thrilled? I went to seminary for this. Um, a hapax legomena is um, th- that this word appears one time and one time only in the New Testament. That Greek word is a hapax legomena because it appears one time. So consequently, when you're trying to figure out what this word means, or this word, excuse me, it's rather difficult because you don't have any place else in the scriptures to compare it. Now, so why, what happened in the translators um, 
Why did some of them choose giving and some of them choose receiving? Um, now, let me show you. Let me show you how. All right, guys. Let me let me just press the pause button. And if you can keep your finger real there, there, um, and find the book of Nehemiah rather quickly. If you can't, just listen to me. Um, Nehemiah, you know they they've built that. Uh, wall around Jerusalem, and Nehemiah did all this, and they have this great big huge celebration one day, and um, all the priests gather, I'm in verse, um, yes, uh, I'm not going to mention all those names because I can't pronounce all of them, but it's in verse 7, uh, Nehemiah 8, 7, also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, yada, 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 and they're standing in front of the people, and, and notice what it says, help the people to understand the law, while the people remain in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. That's my job. (laughs) My job is to give you the sense of the reading. So, how is it that I'm, um, uh, very frankly, I think my translation is better than the receiving one. Why? What, What, if this is only found one time, how can I be so sure it has something to do with giving and not receiving. Okay, guys, here's, here's how you, this is how you determine this. Maybe this isn't interesting. There is another word that's very similar to that in the New Testament. It is nomo thetai. It's found in James chapter 4, verse 12, I think. And it is translated the lawgiver. So, you see how, you see how, hopefully, this is a, You see how similar these two words are. And this word is translated in all of your translations as lawgiver. So when the translators came to this word, they thought, okay, we don't have anything to compare this to because it only appears one time, but we do have this word. And here it means a lawgiver. And so when it comes over to Romans chapter 9, they say, okay, that is the giving of the law. Gang, what Paul is alluding to here is not that Israel was the, the custodian or the, or the original possessors of the law. What Paul is referring to is the event at which time the law was given. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there was something real special about that event. Because at that event, the Lord spoke audibly. And you know what Israel had? They had an event in their history where God spoke audibly. It was in the giving of the law. Now, guys, if anybody raises their hand in here, we, uh, we, we need to speak to you later. But has anybody heard, anybody in this room heard audibly from God? Well, no, you say, I've I've heard from God in the Word. Of course you have. That's the way we hear. But you know what Israel had? Israel had an occasion. Israel had an event. At which time they stood and they, they quaked in their boots. But they heard God speak through the hammer and the stirrup. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and so Paul is saying, 
this marvelously privileged event at which time the law was given and it still didn't do much good. In fact, they're still in their, their, their unbelief. The emphasis here, guys, is the way that the law had been given to them. Because on that occasion, it was given in a way that it has been given to no other people, to no other person. Now, you've got it, and you know you can rely on it and trust in it, and it's uh, it black words on a white page found two times in this book. But Israel didn't get it that way. Israel got it audibly. And Paul says, what a privilege. The, the, um, the point that Paul is making is to underscore the rare privilege that these people had. In fact, uh, don't turn here. Let me just read you this. This is out of Deuteronomy 4. Um, Listen to this. This is just, this is priceless. Um, you remember, I, I, I told you about Deuteronomy. It's the collection of second times. Remember that? I said that a couple of weeks ago. Remember that? You were there. I'm, I'm sure you were awake. Um, but anyway, that's what Moses is doing. And he's making reference back to that day when the law was given. And he says, For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. You know what Moses is saying? Oh, just go check with your friends. From the day the heavens and the earth were created, just ask them if anything as great as this has ever happened. Well, what? What, Moses? What, what is it that you're referring to? Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror of all of which the Lord your God did before you in Egypt? Has there been any nation that God has done that for? Has any nation had the rare privilege of hearing God speak audibly? No, they haven't. But see, Moses is saying it to Israel, and at that point she was spiritually uh, alive. Paul comes around, you know, 3,000 years later or 2,000 years, whatever, and he says, you know that event that Moses said was such a rare privilege? It was a rare privilege, and you know what? It didn't do him a bit of good. Israel is still in her unbelief, and he's saying... That breaks my heart. What a privilege these people have. And it hadn't benefited them. Um, again, what, what I think Paul has in view here is, is he's simply reminding the people of their, uh, of their rare privilege to explain why it is that he is so terribly grieved over their unbelief. That's what that giving. But actually, if you, if you look at the, your translation that's got receiving, what I just said is true to that word too. That is, he's, re- he's referring to that event where they did receive the law. And at that event, they heard God speak audibly. And that's what, that's what I think the Apostle Paul has in mind. Now, let's move to the next one. Again, He's, he's listing things that are advantages. He says the adoption, they're, they're Israelites, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship. 
Now, guys, um, probably the most violated law of all the Ten Commandments is the first one. You know, I did a series on the on the first commandment years ago, um, and I said to you, in one sense, if you obeyed the first one, you wouldn't need the other nine. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. By the way, I read this Sunday out of Deuteronomy six. It's verse five, I think. It's called the Shema. It's still called the Shema. And hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. That's really still important among Judaism. So what? My point is this: God made it very clear that there was only to be one God. All those Ashtaroths and Baals and Moloch's, eh, one God. Now, folks, if he had stopped there, Israel would have been in trouble. But he didn't stop there. You know what he did? He goes on to to teach them how it is that this one God is to be approached. He gave them the worship. Nothing is left to to the imagination of Moses... Um, or any individual worshiper. No, 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 no. God goes out of His way to make very clear how it is that you are to enter His presence. We are not left to wonder. Guys, that's an extraordinary piece of mercy to us. An extraordinary kindness. That, that God goes out of His way to not simply tell us to worship Him, but then He tells us, how that's to be done. It's called the worship. Now, guys, um, which allows me to say a couple of things that I love to say. Um, folks, do you remember an event in the Old Testament where all of those stipulations were not observed? It's found in Leviticus 10. It's one of my favorites because I love to say those guys' names. They were Nadab and Abihu. Who were Nadab and Abihu? Nadab and Abihu were sons of Aaron. And there were two sons of Aaron by the name of Nadab and Abihu. And they, uh, by the way, let me, um, I won't go there. It's in Leviticus 10 and it says, And Nadab and Abihu offered strange fires to the Lord. What's a strange fire? It's a fire that God didn't stipulate that was acceptable in terms of approaching Him. You see, ladies and gentlemen, once you get the worship, you are not then free to go figure out how you want to do it. Because God has outlined how He wants you to do it. In my world... Um, my world is the reformed world. We talk about worship being limited and prescribed. Which simply means you are not free to do worship any way you want to. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this guy has not only told you to worship him, he's told you how he wants to be worshipped. And so, if you want to offer a strange fire 
you can end up like Nadab and Abihu. Um, and I forget exactly what... Did the earth open and swallow them, or is that the sons of Korah? I forget exactly how... Um, um, was it fire? Okay, so uh, after they offered the strange fire, God says, well, that's not something I stipulated. And he consumed them. So, guys, um, there's all kinds of funky little things that people want to introduce in their worship. I, you know, I read about them all the time. Um, uh, one church in, where was it, in Dallas or in Texas someplace, um, they gave everybody a helium-filled balloon when they entered the front door. And at a certain point in the worship service, they were all to let go of their helium-filled balloons. Ain't that peachy. Uh, I read of another one where everybody, when they walked in the back door, they were given a mask. And at a certain point in the sermon, they were supposed to remove their masks. And I guess, be real. You know, guys, I don't know whether you like that or lump that. You know, that's not the point. I'm telling you, worship is limited and prescribed. And you know what? (laughs) Do you know what a wonderful kindness that is? That God hasn't, hasn't left you to your own machinations? He hasn't left you to your own imaginations. He said, oh, by the way, there's one God. You're supposed to worship me. And let me tell you how it's done. Guys, that's not only true in Israel. It's true in the church. Very honestly, there's only one way to worship this God, and it's through blood. Shed blood. But... um, Israel had the worship. Um, All other nations were left to their own superstitions, but not Israel. Israel was given the worship. Let let me, this is another, I just, just, this is out of Hebrews chapter 9. I want to read you four verses. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were their lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It's called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place. Having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant and covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn holding the man and Aaron's staff that budded in the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of all these things we cannot now speak in detail. Guys, do you know who designed that tabernacle? Oh, that was God. And Moses was told in detail how it was to be set up. Because this God has not only told you that He demands his, the singular, your singular worship. He, by kindness, by a great piece of kindness, has told you how to properly approach Him. How to come into His presence. Don't, avoid, uh, don't ignore that. It's a great privilege. And what Paul is saying is, these guys had the worship. God outlined it for them. And it didn't, didn't change them. Okay, there's one other thing, or maybe two. They had the promises. Um, guys, um, we talked about covenants last week. Um, what's, a, a covenant is a promise too. What is different about the covenants and the promises in this passage? Well, guys, um, it's the difference between the general versus the details, or general versus the specific. 
Uh, for instance, the Psalms are full of promises. The general promise is the covenantal promise that I will be your God, you will be my people, you and your descendants. That's the covenant promise. That's the general covenant promise. But there are some smaller ones, some details, like um, um, uh, he is a shield to those who fear him. The angels of God encamp around those who fear him. Um, that he promises that the righteous will never go hungry. Those are, those are just smaller promises uh, in, uh, subsumed under the larger heading of the covenant. Both promises, but one's the general promise and the other. Uh, Paul has in view here with the second word, the, the, the details, the smaller promises. And, and Israel had those. Um, you know, Spurgeon did a thing one time where he, um, he wrote a book, and I've got it, and I read it through years ago, um, and all it is is a collection of promises, promises that God has made his people. And I'm telling you, gang, there's going to be times in your life where the only thing that you're going to have left are promises. Just the promises. Because life is going to become so complex and going to deal you such a blow that the only thing that you have left is to bank on what God promised you. Those things are immeasurably rich. And yet, Israel had them. It didn't do him any good. You know, the people of God have them too. And they don't sometimes do us any good either. You know, we are low on funds or all these promises about God providing for us. Uh, the promises don't do us any good. We're um, fearful of our circumstances, and God says all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. And that didn't do us any good. All things, all things work together for the good of the people who love God and are the called according to His purpose. You know, um, uh, I shouldn't pick on him like this, but I shall. Um, Joanne Wood just had a little bout with uh, gallbladder things. She got her gallbladder out on Friday, and and you know, praise the Lord, it's a pretty simple thing, and they, you know, it's almost an outpatient surgery these days, which is incredible. But um, Bob Wood comes in every Sunday morning and prays with me, and uh, I mean, twice a year he says, um, "Oh, I was just fussing and fussing and and fussing and fussing," and Joanne said, <laughs> "You know, Bob." Wouldn't it be wonderful if God had said something like, all things work together for good to them that love God. You know, wouldn't that be great if God had said something like that? <laughs> Is that not true, Bob? <laughs> Does she not zing you with the, those nasty old promises that don't do us any good at times? Just like Israel. We got the promises too, folks. And, and there will be occasions that those promises are more real, or at least I hope they will be more real to you than your turbulent emotions. Because you'll be living and making decisions based on your emotions and not listening to the promises. we got to just real quickly, um, let me just mention that this sneak into verse 5 because he says, to them belong the patriarchs. And we'll stop there because we only have two minutes. But... Um, 
to them belong. You know, they've got their Israelites. They've got the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. And not only that, to them belong the patriarchs, the fathers. Now, who does he have in view? Well, he doesn't say, but you, you've got to know that he's alluding to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At least those. But probably other heroes like Joseph, Moses, David, those men, those six men and others like them, had had unique experiences with God. Heroic experiences with God that had been told and told in tale after tale after tale and recorded and inscripturated in, in the Hebrew language. And they were those men who had had those unique, incredible experiences with God were a part of Israel's heritage. And Paul's audience had forgotten their fathers. Well, they knew their names, but they didn't know anything about their faith. Oh, they celebrated the great heroic uh, acts of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, and David. They sung, they sung songs about them, and they celebrated their birthdays, and they, and they had an Abraham day every, every January, and, and they all loved these guys. They had the patriarchs, but it didn't do them any good. They had the covenant, they had the adoption, they had the glory, that luminous cloud. They had the worship, God outlined it for them. They had a day in which they heard God audibly. Mm. They had the patriarchs, and none of it. None of it did any good. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you are like Israel, a privileged people of God. If in no other way, laying in your laps is a book, which is the mind of God as black words on a white page, how privileged you are. Has it changed us? Our Father, I do pray that you will remind us of how gracious you have been, in, been to us, gracious by outlining for us how you would have us to worship you, gracious in giving us a book that is all we need for life and godliness. We need nothing else. Everything's here. And I pray, O oh God, that you will uh, engender in the hearts and souls of your people great reservoirs of gratitude as we respond in faith to the God who found a way to save people as wicked as I. Now, Father, dismiss us with a, with a sense of the privilege, with a sense of the, of the rare advantage that we have over billions of people on the face of the planet today. And might we use those advantage, those, those, those privileges, taking advantage of them, making us more and more into the image of Christ Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks and good night.